let's uh, let's jump into the Word, okay? Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that you've brought us here together, and I thank you that you're going to reveal yourself in the Word and what you have spoken. I pray that you would open our eyes and send the spirit of revelation upon us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we are actually going to continue in our study of Revelation with some of the Brian Simmons interpretation, and we've been going through it for a long time. This is part 3,295. It's not really, but it feels like it sometimes. I have lost count of how, what we're at. I'm sure it's something. We were in chapter 6 last week, and we talked about the four angels and the four winds and how God and what his judgment actually looks like, that it's not a fearful, terrible judgment, that it actually brings righteousness and they wants to bring up uh, judges, not in a condemnation way, but in bringing life. And there's a lot that we could talk about that. But this week, we're going to talk about the 144,000 sealed by the seal of God on their foreheads. And that's going to be in chapter 7. And I'm particularly excited about this because we were leading up at the the seven sealed scroll is being released and it's releasing the realities that God has for us in our lives. And then we saw the, the horsemen and we saw the different realities of the throne and then we saw these four angels and then we see, and John's talking about, oh, there's the four winds and the, uh, the four angels. And then he says that Jesus told the four angels to hold back these four winds until they have sealed a certain number. They have sealed the servants of God with the seal of God on their foreheads. Okay? And, it's, and he says that it's 144,000. Now, this is what's interesting. 144,000 is not a literal number. According to everything else that we've read in here, with all the symbols, I'm not going to turn and say, oh, this is, yeah, 144,000 people. But what it is, 144,000 is 12 times 12 times 1,000. 12 times 12, 12 is the apostolic number of Jesus. And 1,000 in the Hebrew understanding was basically as high as you could go. It's like the infinite number. So it's Jesus multiplied to everyone that he can. Right? And so he's saying 144,000 that I want to multiply myself to an innumerable amount of people and I want to seal their foreheads, their minds, their thought processes. I want to seal them with the seal of the living God. And he even tells these four angels in, at the end of chapter 6, he says, hold back these winds until we have sealed these people. So the determinant factor on God pouring out his spirit and fulfilling his plan for the world, which what is the, the winds that he's going to blow? It is the, it is the rele- releasing of his judgments, of perfecting his bride and pouring out an outpouring of his spirit. I think it even points to 
the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the explosive Spirit of God being poured out into the world. But he is saying, we can't do any of what we're supposed to do. We can't fulfill the bride's uh, purpose. We can't do it until we have multiplied the, the mind of Christ into the servants of God. So he's not, he's not waiting on an antichrist to get really bad and the world to fall apart. He's waiting for you and I to get the mind of Christ. He's waiting for us to get to start thinking like him, acting like him, and living like him. He's waiting for the bride, for the church, for the body of Christ to be equally yoked with him. That we look like him, act like him. And, and, that, is, and, and that is what he's waiting on. And so, he says, man, I see 144,000. And we're actually going to talk about listed is the 12 tribes that are listed. And what's so cool is it's going to talk about 12,000 were sealed out of the tribe of Judah and Reuben and Gad and all these things. And these are not literal, oh, out of these tribes of people, because we have been grafted into the people of, uh, to the children of Abraham. But each one of these names, Judah, has a meaning. And Reuben has a meaning, and Gad has a meaning, and Asher has a meaning. And each one of those meanings are stages, processes of you getting the revelation in the mind of Christ. Of you coming to the point that you are sealed with his thought processes so that you can rule and reign with him. God's basically putting you on a 12-step program. <laughs> and as you see, everything in the Bible is a process with God. Everything happens in sequence in Revelation. I mean, he, didn't, he could have made everything in creation in one day, but he said, he said, no, I'm going to take six days to create it and seven to rest, right? And he says, and I'm going to take the, the uh, children of Israel through this period of time and then bring them into the promised land. And then I'm going to take, you know, and then I'm going to build for thousands of years the fulfillment of my son coming. So everything is a process with God. You obviously, when you come to Jesus, you have a lot of growing in Jesus to do. The journey has not over. And you are in process, right? Because I think, think about you five years ago. You're not the same person you were five years ago in Jesus. If you are, you need to grow. <laughs> but... Jesus never wants you to be the same this year as you were last year. He wants you to continue to grow in the revelation of who he is. Okay? It's not, a, it's not just about head knowledge of who he is. It is life knowledge of living out who he is. So, this is the list that shows us these things. And what's so cool is you have the 12,000 that are sealed. And they're the 12 tribes. And then the New Jerusalem, when it starts describing the New Jerusalem, guess what? There's 12 gates with these same tribes around Jerusalem. And it tells us that you are the New Jerusalem. And so these gates are actually your process. A gate, what is a gate made for? It brings you from one place to another. It is actually a 
transference. It is a transforming, it, it, it is a portal to one dimension to another. And so these gates are showing you when you cross through these gates, you're becoming the new Jerusalem. There are, and on these gates, there are gates of pearl, and then there are jewels. And then remember the ephod of the uh, uh, a high priest had 12 jewels that represented the 12 tribes. See, there's all, this is everywhere. God was showing, he says, I'm going to take the ephod, which is going to be like a little miniature Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, that is going to show to the world the revelation of who I am, that I'm bringing this kingdom into another, and it, that I'm bringing heaven to earth, right? So God is not waiting on the world to get so bad so that he can come back. He's waiting for us to get the revelation so that we can bring heaven to earth. He said, pray this prayer. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Jesus said, your goal is to get heaven into this world. And your goal, a seal, it says that these are people that are sealed with the seal of God. Everybody wants to talk about the mark of the beast, but not everybody wants to talk about the seal of God. The mark of the beast shows ownership, right? And the beast is a symbol of the sin nature of man that rises up against the spirit of God. And the beast that comes out of the sea, the sea is often a description of the, the picture of humanity in its depth of unknowing uh, expanse. And so the beast of the sinfulness of man comes out of the sea of humanity, and he is saying, I'm going to kill that beast. And he says, and you can either be marked with that beast, and what that beast is, the mindset of the world, and the mindset of the flesh, and the mindset of the things that rise up against God. You can be marked and owned by those things, or you can be sealed with the seal of the living God. And a seal is different than a mark. A mark's just like, oh yeah, somebody owns you, but a seal gives you power and authority. It's a royal seal. And so what he's doing is, he says, I don't want you to just be known that you're owned by me, but I want you to be known that you carry out my kingdom. And so I'm going to seal my servants. They need to think like me and act like me so that they can bring heaven to this world. And he is saying, hold it back until we have our deliverers ready that think like us and that are in our image. And so this process is you getting the revelation and being renewed with your minds. Okay, let's hop into it a little bit. What we have here is this list. 16 times in the Bible, there is this list of the tribes of Israel. Okay? 16 times. But this one is different. There are actually tribes that were real sons of Jacob that are excluded. And there are others that are added. It is different than other ones you'll find. That's interesting. And we'll talk about why. So, let's just, let's, before I get rolling on it, let's talk about one of them. You have 
all the different, you have Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, all these, Simeon, all these things. But you know what you don't have in there? One of them that is taken out is Dan, the tribe of Dan, okay? Do you know what Dan means? It means judgment. Dan means judgment. And actually, when there was a prophecy over Dan, and it was that you will be a judge over people, and it was even described as, this, this is very interesting, he was even described as, he says, you will be, you, you will be like a viper that bites out against the horse as it goes by. That may seem kind of weird, but think about it. You got a mad, angry snake, and anything get by him, girl, I'm going to bite you, right? And the picture of Dan, a prophecy over him is, is that you will be a stumbling block for the people, and you will be a judge, and you will bring judgment, and you will be like the viper that bites at the things that go by. What is that painting a picture of? That is painting a picture of vindictive, angry, hateful judgment. And you know what? Jesus takes that away from there because he says it's not in the mind of Christ anymore. That mindset, that idea that the, the, the hateful, mean, destructive judgment needs to be taken. God literally erased it from the tribes. He said, no, that's not part of the reality that I'm bringing. That's not part of my kingdom. That needs to leave that, that is a big spirit in the church today, wouldn't you say? That's a big thing in the church of, oh man, we're just going gonna to bite out at anything that comes by us. And we're going to, that angry, mean thing that's rising up. Well, Jesus is saying, nope, I'm taking it out. I'm subtracting it out. And do you know what he replaces it with? He pr- replaced the tribe of Dan with the tribe of Levi. And Levi means union. And Levi means to come into union with God. It's almost like marriage. So he says, I'm getting rid of vindictive, angry judgment, and I'm bringing in my loving union. I think that's pretty cool. That, that, and that is not in the mind of God. So that's kind of one of them I want to talk about before. But let's, let's begin, let's see. It says in verse 4 of chapter 7, And I discovered the numbers of those who were sealed. It was 144,000 sealed out of every tribe of Israel's people. Did you catch that? 144,000 sealed out of every tribe of Israel's people. We, ha- we, have, to, we have to go back and... Uh, retell these stories to fully get what's going on here. Israel is Jacob, renamed, right? You guys remember this? In the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob literally means heel grabber. And so God renamed him Israel, which actually means uh, a, a, a prince people or something like that. Oh, I can't see right now. <laughs> but I'll get back to it. Anyways, think about the story. 
Do you remember when the angel came and wrestled with Jacob all night long? So what was interesting is, here's Jacob, and this person comes out of the dark and starts wrestling with him. He probably thought it was Esau. And he was like, oh my gosh. And then he realized this dude is really strong and I can't beat him. And they wrestle and they wrestle and they wrestle until the angel of the Lord says, what is your name? Why did he ask that? Because Jacob lied about his name. He said, remember he lied to his father. Oh, remember he did the whole hair and all that stuff to get the birthright. And he said, oh, I'm Esau to get the birthright. And so the angel of the Lord, which also could be Jesus, because often Jesus appears in the Old Testament. Jesus is wrestling. This is such a cool picture. Think about this, guys. Jesus is wrestling with Jacob, and he says, what is your name? Basically, what he's saying is, are you going to lie to me too, or are you going to admit who you are? He wrestled with Jacob to reveal what was really inside his heart. And Jacob finally says, I am Jacob, which means heel grabber. Jacob finally came to the recollect, or came to the admittance of yes, I'm just a heel grabbing liar. He finally broke and said, "That's who I am." And then it is when God went, "Yeah, but I'm going to make you a prince." And that is what we have to go through ourselves. So it's saying out of Israel's people, not Jacob. It didn't say Jacob. It said out of Israel's people were numbered this. So out of the people that have wrestled with God and come to the final admittance of, yeah, that's who I am, he then takes you and makes you a prince. So it is, out, it is when we walk through that that we become a prince. Um. Yeah, Genesis 28, 24 through 28 is that. And Jacob, or, or uh, Israel, literally means princes with God. It is that we have wrestled with our old nature and become, have become renewed in him. And so we have come to that regenerative nature. It is out of that that we are then brought in. So let's look actually now beginning in the list. 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Judah. Here's the thing. Judah is not the firstborn. Do you guys know who the firstborn is? It's Reuben. So out of Jacob's sons, Reuben was actually the firstborn. But in this list, it doesn't name Reuben as the first. As the first. It names Judah as the first. Why is that? Well, Judah... Judah, first off, means praise. But Jesus is called the Lion of Judah. And Jesus is, and, and Judah was actually made the tribe over all the other tribes. Judah was the one that was the last to be deceived and the last to go into idol worship. The tribe of Judah reigned longer than the others and was undefiled. And it actually gained superiority over the others because of their faithfulness to God. But what it points to is that Judah 
that Jesus is the line of Judah and he is the son of God. And so the first revelation we get is the line of Judah, the son of God. And when we see the son of God, we see that we are included in that. Jesus is called the firstborn of many. Jesus is the firstborn of many. That means what Jesus did and lived, he was the firstborn. But there's more coming. That's you and me. And what's interesting is that Judah, the tribe of Judah, was the name means praise, but Judah became a praise to the Lord. And that's what God calls you to become. You don't just praise, right? We don't just sing songs, right? The highest praise that we can give to God is not just singing songs. The highest praise we give to God is we become the praise to the Lord. We live our lives as a praise to God. Everything that we are becomes a praise. And that's what he calls us to do. And that is why he made that the first in the list, not, not Reuben. And so we go to, and so then the next one is Reuben. There's 12,000 of Reuben. Uh, Reuben, this is what's cool, Reuben means behold a son. Because when Reuben was born, it was, behold, I've actually had a son now. Remember the whole competition between all the wives and all that messed up family <laughs> of Jacob's family. That is one messed up family, right? And so comes, Reuben comes first and, oh my gosh, behold a son. That's literally what his, mean, his name means. But think about that, what that means for you is that, Reuben means behold a son. Once we have seen Judah's lion as heaven's firstborn son, we move to beholding that son living in us and being formed in us. We actually become a praise and then we behold Jesus. We behold that son. And what you behold, you will become. Okay? The next one is Gad. Uh, Gad, this, is, this one's fun. Gad means a troop. A troop. Uh, Jacob gave his son Gad this prophecy, and this is this is the literal meaning in Hebrew. So when you translate something from Hebrew, it a lot of times it doesn't mean make any sense. They have to. There's no there's no grammar. There's none of these things. So they have to add those in. But the literal meaning of Gad is. Uh, a troop and it says a troop will troop upon him but he will troop on their heels and overcome the troop <laughs> doesn't really make any sense that's kind of a lost in translation kind of thing but basically what it's saying is is that a troop will, over, uh, will a troop will overcome you and then you'll troop upon them let me put this in a better term in new testament terms you'll become the overcomer and you'll overcome the things that overcame you. So Gad, the, and this is what's cool. When you read about Gad, and this is what's fun. I'm kind of briefly going over these things. But if you research each one of these men's uh, lives and these tribes, it's, you see these things play out. God was pouring all this together. Is that in First Chronicles 5 and in First uh, Chronicles 12, Gad was an incredibly... Uh, fierce warring tribe and they were overcomers and the prophecy over Gad was that you guys are going to become overcomers 
And the things that overcame you, the things that kept you in bondage, you're going to overcome them. And so the revelation that Jesus is saying here is you're going to be like Gad. You're going to get the revelation that you're an overcomer. You're going to get a revelation that you can overcome everything that overcame you. It's, it's pretty cool. There's 12 sealed from the tribe of Asher. Uh, Asher means happy. Asher means happy. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. If you don't have joy, you're missing a third of the kingdom. Us mopey, cryy, sad Christians have not got a full revelation of the kingdom as long as we're still not getting the joy of the Lord. And Asher means happy. And so in our journey, as we become a praise, we behold the sun, and we become overcomers, as we become overcomers, we realize, I got joy, because I don't have to live in bondage. I don't have to live in these things. You become joyful. You become happy. That's just, that's just a good, um, blissful thing. Um, the next one is Nafatelli. And Nafatelli means wrestling. This point, Nafatelli literally means you're going to wrestle. And this, you're wrestling. And so, in the next part, when you get your joy, you have to wrestle. What are you wrestling with? Well, you have to wrestle with your old nature. Right? There, it says that the flesh wars against the spirit. And you have to wrestle against the flesh and against the old nature. But the new man in Christ is the overcomer, full of joy, that becomes your strength. And you have to wrestle against these things. So the revelation, as we're walking through with Christ, is, you know what? i got to wrestle against. This is a fight. This is, I can't just be, you know... Uh, carefree about this, that I actually have to wrestle against the things that, like the things of this world and these things, so often, if we are not proactively renewing our minds in Christ, then we will be subconsciously affected by the world. Think about it. If you think you can just go about and live your life and not actually let Jesus come in and proactively renew your mind, then you will be influenced by the world. And that's what we see predominantly in the church that happens, is that we become more and more and more like the world because we're not proactively letting Jesus renew our minds and deal with these things. Because the world will do it naturally. But unless you are intentional about you letting Jesus renew your mind and letting Jesus come in and deal with you, then you'll be influenced by it. And so, which one was that, Naphtali? The next one is Manasseh. Manasseh means causing me to forget. Causing me to forget. There is a place in your walk with the Lord that, you know, some people have been through really, really terrible things. They've been through the trauma of their life and the scars of this world follow them. But God is saying there comes a time that I bring so much healing into your life 
that you will forget your pain. Um, when uh, Manasseh was born, he was named, causing him to forget, because his mother, when he was born, she said, he has made me forget my sorrows. And Manasseh, when you come into the overcoming, joy-filled, wrestling life with Jesus, he will bring you to a place of healing. Salvation means sozo, which is saved, healed, and delivered. And there is a power and there is a healing in Jesus that is so powerful that you'll forget your pain. God wants to actually make you forgetful of those things. Not in a way that you're ignoring them, but that you are so free from them that there's no pain that follows you. Because He didn't pay just to save you. He paid to totally heal you and deliver you. And so, He will cause you to forget. I think that's actually kind of cool. Because... Let's see, I was trying to find that verse. Massa, here we go. Um, Genesis 41, 51. Uh, Joseph had, uh, or not, Joseph. Yeah, God has made me forget all my troubles and my parental home. Yep. Joseph's firstborn is actually interesting. Manasseh was added here is that Joseph's firstborn is saying that you've made me forget all of my troubles and all my sorrows and that the Lord wants to bring healing to you in every area of your life that you forget and that you are free from that. I know some people when I when they tell me their story and they say, oh, you know, Jesus is taking care of it, but they talk about it, I go, nah, you ain't free from it, brother. <laughs> You're still jacked up, messed up, and weird from it, dude. Because you haven't gotten healing from this. You haven't gotten better from that. You need to bring that to Jesus. You know what I mean? And so, and because then there are others that they tell you, can tell you their whole testimony. And you're like, dude, you should not be walking. You should be a mess. And yet you can't tell anything's happened in their life. Because God has healed every part of their life. Redeemed them. And set them free to the point that you can't tell. Because they have forgotten that pain. And that's what he is saying when he brings you through this. The next one is Simeon. I've got a better list here. Simeon uh, is the, the son born to Israel and Leah. And it's the Hebrew word to have to hear or to have a listening ear. Simeon literally means to have your ears opened. And as we all know with our walk with the Lord is that we have to have our ears open to what he is saying to us. Like in his revelation and in his process with you is that he wants to pierce your ear. He wants to pierce your ear with his word and that you would have a listening ear. Solomon, one of the understandings of when they translate Solomon, when God said you can have anything you want, You know, a lot of our translations will say, oh, I want wisdom. But it can actually also mean, I want to have my ears opened to your voice. And as the same thing here, Simeon is saying, I want to hear you. 
And, and so he, he brings us into the place, a hearing ear or the one who hears, our ears to be pierced, to be open continually, hearing the voice of the shepherd of Jesus. And you could go so much into that. Let's see. This just keeps on going. Am I losing y'all? Oh, nobody said anything. I guess I already did. <laughs> Everybody's asleep. I know I'm doing fine. I'm just worried about y'all. <laughs> I, I can preach the eternal word. <laughs> you guys might just have to take a nap halfway through. <laughs> no, I know you are. I'm just making sure. And so, after Simeon is the one that we talked about, is Levi, is the tribe of Levi. And Levi means joined or union. Now, here's the thing about Levi, is that they didn't have an inheritance. Do you remember that? Levi was the, they were the priests. And remember when uh, they built the golden calf and they were all worshiping it it was levi that didn't worship it and when moses came down he told all the levites okay you guys go kill all those people and they went and killed all those people and they said all right now you can be the priests so if you think you know god calls you a priest and a king if you think a priest means oh like quiet walking Oh, you know, like crap like that? No, it's not that. Okay? The priests of Levi, those were some bad dudes. They literally went down there, killed all these people, and then God was like, yep, you're the ones I like. I like you. You can be union with me. You're going to be my priest because you're going to serve in my temple. So if you think being a priest of the Lord is being wimpy and taking it, nope. You go out. You kill the unrighteous. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but that's what they did. Anyways, I, oh, I'm sorry. But Levi didn't have an inheritance. Their inheritance was the Lord. He said, you won't get an inheritance. Everybody else in the tribes, they get an inheritance, but your inheritance is me. And so Dan was removed from this list, and Levi is added. And what he's saying is, I want to bring you into relationship union with me. And you, I will be your inheritance. That's pretty cool. And um, and so, and, and that one even points to the brideship. Like, to be joined to speaks of the joined, completed relationship of a married couple. Right? That's that same to be joined in marriage. And the completion that that marriage creates is the same of what it's speaking about. Levi is that he's saying, you are going to become like that. In this process of having your mind renewed, the process is that you become Levi that is joined with me and I become your inheritance and you are married to me. And so uh, that's Levi. The next one is Issachar. Issachar means reward. Issachar re- re- means reward or compensation. 
Every obedient son and daughter of God will be rewarded with an indescribable inheritance full of blessings. Ephesians 1 speaks of this. 2 Peter 2 speaks about our rewards in Him. So, in this process, you get rewarded. Everywhere through the Bible, you will see that there are rewards for obedience. There are rewards for righteousness. There are rewards for these things. God is very big on rewards. He loves to give His children gifts, and He loves to reward them for their, their obedience and for these things. And so, um, just like this comes after the hearing ear thing and the union, right? The hearing ear is that you open your ears to Him, okay? And He speaks to you. And you know what? If the Lord doesn't speak to you, maybe He's not speaking to you, because if He did, you wouldn't obey Him anyways. Just saying. He, he says, I, I can't tell you how, I remember, I can't remember who it was, but it was a pastor and he was talking about he was saying, Lord, like, I feel like you haven't talked to me in a long time. He says, you haven't obeyed the last thing I told you. <laughs> He's like, I stopped talking to you when, you when you didn't obey that one. I'm waiting on you. And so maybe sometimes he doesn't talk to you because he's like, no, you wouldn't obey it. But when you do come to that place that you hear him, you obey, you are brought into union and communion with him, you get that reward of obedience, of, of listening to Him. It comes after that. You get compensation. You get reward. God is a reward-based God, and He loves to give out rewards. And so Issachar is talking about the rewards that we get. Um, it, it is a representation of our obedience. Uh, next one. Zebulun. Zebulun means dwelling or habitation. As we pass through these 12 stages of our sonship, will we become a Zebulun people, his habitation? We become his dwelling place, his holy of holies on earth. This is what's cool. Bill Johnson has a... I love his teachings on hosting the presence of God. Yeah. I, they, they're life-changing to me. When I first heard them, it blew me away. Because Bill Johnson has this understanding of this very thing. Zebulun means a people of his presence. Zebulun means that we host him. And that is a revelation in the process of you getting what Jesus has for you. And that is when you see that, oh, I don't just ask for things. I don't just get things from God, or I'm not just looking for these things. You've shown that you can hear, you've shown that you can be obedient, but then there comes, there is a difference between carrying out the kingdom of God and hosting it upon you. And I don't want to get too far off into this, but, but like I said, Bill Johnson, and I love his teachings on this, but this is a revelation that, you know what, you can host the presence of God and you don't have to do anything, that it follows you everywhere you go. The Holy Spirit is in you for your sake, but He is upon you for others. And like an example, one of the stories that Bill shares is that he says, what you are aware of is what you will release. So he says a lot of times, he says, I started experimenting with this. He says, I'd go up to a grocery store. And he says, and there's this one particular store I really like to do it in. He was like, it was like a health food store, and they're like really new agey and weird. 
And he was like, that's like my favorite place to go because I like, he says, those weird people are just, they, 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 make, they entertain me. But anyways, he says, I would drive up and I'd sit in my car for a moment. And he says, I'd just close my eyes. And he says, I would just recognize, Lord, I know that your presence is on me and that your presence is here. And he would just recognize it, become aware of it. And then he'd go into the store with that revelation. And he would do that periodically. And eventually, what was funny is, the owner of the store caught him one day walking down the aisle and said, I have got to ask you, what is it about you? He says, every time you come into this store, there's just something about you. Like the whole store feels different when you walk in. Like there's like a piece on you. There's like, you know, this guy's kind of new agey. So he's like trying to find like, you know, what's your aura? You know, stuff like that. You know, and... And, and Bill just tells him, dude, it's like, it's the Holy Spirit, you know, it's upon me. And, it, and he says, they would even do that with their kids. He says, okay, we're not going to get weird. <laughs> He'd tell his kids, don't get weird on me and don't get, walk into a store with your eyes all like, whoa. He says, but let's just stop and take a moment and recognize that the Holy Spirit wants to be upon us and that we actually host his presence. And they'd go into a place and they would carry the revelation of God with them, and people all the time would recognize it, and they wouldn't have to say a thing. Is that, and that is the Zebulun people. It is that you become the dwelling place of God, where you don't have to ask for things or these stuff all the time, but that you just dwell with God. And that is one of the things, like we talked about, that God is pleased with us and wants to walk with us in the garden of our lives. Right? He wants to dwell with you. So he doesn't want to just be with you in worship on Sundays or on Wednesdays. He doesn't even just want to be with you in your prayers. He wants to be with you every second of your day. He wants to be, you, he wants you to become the child of his right hand, that you're always right there. And that is the way he wants you to live. He wants you to become a Zebulun people. The eleventh one is Joseph. Joseph means, may he add another as Rachel was giving birth. She had tried and tried and tried to have a son. And then she finally had a son. And her first thing that she said, she, she was so happy to have her son, but she really wanted another. You know, there was a lot of competitions in these births. The, the whole um, Simeon that he hears his mom named him that because she had a vendetta against the other mom and she was saying, God heard my prayers and so he gave me a son. And so I'm going to name him the one who hears. Take that. Now, God takes messed up families and he turns them around for good, right? But, so in the same way, we see that Joseph comes about and her, her, uh, her first thing she says is, may he add another son. This is what's cool. You guys have got to get this. These last two are so powerful. Joseph, in the Bible, is almost the best and most vivid representation of Jesus. Right? You look at the life of Jesus, you look at the actions of Joseph, and you, you pair, compare these two, and Joseph is an incredible representation of Jesus. And so we see that. So look, at, read about Joseph. Think about this. You know, he, he, Jesus, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And Joseph, 
became a slave so that we, he could set his family free. Not on purpose, but because of God, right? You know, and then he, he was exalted and to rulership and then he extended mercy and all these things. It is a picture of Jesus. So get that. Take that picture and look at the name. Jesus is saying, may he add another. You're going to get this. The prayer here and the revelation that we get in our process as God's renewing our mind is that he wants to add another. You are the other one that he wants to add. Jesus is called the firstborn among many. So when Jesus died and raised from the grave, what he did is he birthed the church. He brought forth another. Another son was born. We are the children of God. We are the sons and the daughters of God. Jesus is the older brother. He's our oldest brother. And so if Joseph is the representation of Jesus, then he is saying, man, the cry is that Jesus has for this world. Why did he come and die and raise? Is so that he could add another into the kingdom. And then, the second one is Benjamin. Guess what Benjamin's name means? Son of my right hand. Benjamin means son of my right hand. So Jesus says, let there be another born. And the other one that is born is you and I, and that is the son of God's right hand. Here's a funny little uh, fact for you. Did you know everywhere in the Bible that the people of Benjamin, every time they're talked about, they're all left-handed? Everyone, every time a Benjamite is mentioned, they're left-handed. Why are they left-handed? Think about it. If you are on God's right hand, if uh, let's say I'm God right here, and this, he's got his right hand to hold your hand, guess which hand is taken? Your left hand. So, all the Benjamites were all left-handed because God was showing, your hand's taken. You're walking with me. And he calls us. Jesus was called the son of my right hand. And we are brought into that and we are the son of his right hand. We are the one that was added another to. Here's what's cool. There, there's, some, there's more. There's more. Here's the deal. Remember the story of Joseph, right? He's a slave. And then he gets in bad trouble with Potiphar's whatever she is and 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 then he's in uh, prison and then he gets out of prison and he has become the second he's becomes he becomes the right hand man over Egypt right and then the famine comes and all that story right and they store up all the grain well then as he's ruling his brothers come to get grain and he recognizes it they don't recognize him and what he does is he brings them all in and he tells them, all right, where, you know, and they say, oh, there's more. We didn't bring, this, this is what's interesting. We did not bring 
our brother, Benjamin. And he goes, now, you're gonna, you need to bring Benjamin. Right? And then he keeps, was it, uh, he keeps Simeon, or Simon, whatever we call it. He keeps Simeon. He keeps their hearing ears. Simeon means their hearing ears. So he says, all right, until you bring Benjamin, I'm not going to let you be able to hear anymore. I'm going to keep Simeon, okay? And this is what he says. Get this. He says, you will not see my face until I see Benjamin. If Joseph is the embodiment of Jesus, he just said, you won't see me again until I see the son of my right hand. It's, set, it's getting there. You're getting there, but you, it's not soaking in yet. Think about it, guys. Jesus, we will not see Jesus again until he sees the son of his right hand. Jesus is not coming back because the world's getting so bad. He's coming back because he's going to see the ones that walk right there with God. You will not see me again. He tells his brothers, I'm going to say over and over and over, it blew my mind and you guys are getting there. He tells his brothers, you will not see me again until I see Benjamin. And that's when you'll see me again. And then they brought Benjamin. And remember, he sets them all at a table. And he puts a feast before them. Yeah, and he puts them all in order, in birth order. He, when it mentions it, they're all set in birth order. And then when he says, now with Benjamin... He tells them, I want you to put five times the amount of food than all the others. And so, you can imagine, five times the amount. If I get one plate of my potatoes and my brisket and my beans and then my banana pudding over here, if I get one plate, that's one serving. So they multi- that's five. That's like the whole co- table is covered right there. Benjamin gets all that. The rest of them all just get one plate of beans and brisket and <laughs> potatoes, right? That's what they eat in Egypt, right? So <laughs> that's the dietary uh, ways of Egyptians. No. So they give Benjamin five times more. What was he doing? He was testing them. He was saying, all right. Will they become envious and mad at Benjamin the way they became envious of me and sold me into slavery? He was testing them to see if their heart had changed. And then when he saw that they weren't becoming envious in me and that they had changed is when he broke down crying and told his servants to leave and he took off and he says, I'm Joseph. When he saw that their hearts had changed, he said, I will reveal myself. I'm Joseph. And he kissed all of them. And that's the way Jesus treats us. And so, the, he, God is looking for a Benjamin people. 
He's saying, I want to dwell with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have union with you. I want you to be overcomers. You know, I want you, I want you to, all the other lists that they have. I want you to behold this son. And isn't it cool how Reuben starts here, up at the very beginning, you behold the son, right? So you actually see Jesus, and you behold him. And then the very last one at the end is you now become the son of, the right, of his right hand. So in your process, you behold Jesus, and then you become the son of his right hand. Because you see Joseph that he says, when you've beheld me and you've seen me, then you realize that I did all of that so that I could add another, and then you become the one that I add another of. And you become the Benjamin people. And that is when he goes, when you get sealed on your heads, on your minds, and when you think like me and you see these things, when you become overcomers, when you hear me, when you become obedient, when you get your joy, when you get these things, he says, you're starting to think like me. You're starting to get there. That's good. And he's like, when you, and then you become, and then you host my presence and you become a dwelling place for me. And then you behold my son and then you become the Benjamin people. And he says, and that is when I can release the winds on the earth because my people have become ready and they have been sealed with the mindset and the revelation of the way I live. He can give authority and power so that we can rule with him when we think like him. And that is why he needs to seal all of the people that have wrestled with their sin nature and are come into this. That is his purpose. That is his goal. That's what he's trying to do in us. He's trying to... He, he's not coming back till he sees Benjamin. He's waiting to see Benjamin in you. He's ready to see Benjamin. And so, that paints a different picture. That's for you now. That's not for heaven. That's not for the made-up millennium. That's not for any of those things. You know what the problem we have had? We've got faithless theologians and fearful teachers. Trust me, I'm in seminary. I see it all the time. <laughs> faithless theologians who have no faith to see what God wants to bring into this world and fearful teachers to take a risk to take a risk to see what God wants to do because what we have had is that we read the word and we see wow that's incredible Jesus wants to create a people just like him that do the works that he did and even greater and all these things and then we read revelations and we read these things and we're like whoa you know we're going to rule with Christ and on the last days and all these things and these men that are reading this are going yeah but you know I don't see it in my own life and I've never seen that before so that must be for something that can't happen now and so they'll create the millennium where they can just take everything good and put it in an imaginary time when everything's perfect. And then they'll say, well, that can't happen, so we'll put that in heaven. Now, that, that'll happen in heaven. But in reality, 
Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So everything you think impossible that is in heaven should be your reality here on earth. Everything that we've put away in the millennium actually is for us right now to live in because we bring the kingdom. So stop putting all the good stuff in heaven and put it in your life now. Stop listening to the faithless theologians and start listening to the word of God and become the Benjamin people that literally walk with God. He wants to walk with you every day of your life. If you can't see yourself walking with Father God, then you're believing a lie that He's distant and you need to get that gone because He is ready for us to become that people. Right? That is, that is what He's talking about here. And when you get that revelation, whew, He's going to create a generation. There is a generation rising up that He is preparing. And the question is, if you want to be part of it, that becomes these people that are sealed with the mind that thinks like this. That is what He is trying to do. Well, I don't even know what time it is. Oh, yeah. We'll probably go in after and talk about those that are robed in white that have gone through the tribulation. That one's fun. That one's really exciting. There's only two times in Revelation that tribulation is mentioned. And every single time it's directed towards believers, not the unsaved world. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'll explain that. So I, I, hope, I hope you got some of these. Because I, it, it is incredible. God is putting you on a 12-step program <laughs> to get you to the place of union with God. And that is an exciting, exciting thing. And that, that should bring you lots of joy and excitement. That should get you fired up. To stop waiting for things to get bad and start looking for the good that he wants to do in you. Right? That is his purposes for us. And that's all I'm going to say because I could talk forever on it. Um, praise God. I think that's enough talking for one night. Man, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's, and then let's worship God. Um... We'll play one of the songs from earlier or something. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you've allowed us to come to this place, that we get to behold your Son, that we get to hear your words, that we get to be in union with you and host your presence, and that we become the Son of your right hand, that we become a Benjamin people. Oh, I'm so excited. We've become a Zebulun people. That everywhere we walk, the reality of the Holy Spirit's upon us. God, if, if we are believing lies about you, I pray that you would reveal those lies and uproot them and put your truth inside of us. If we have taken perspectives of people that had skewed mindsets on you, that we would trash those and get what you are saying 
that with this, this distance and this far-sightedness of who you are, that you're billions of miles away in heaven, Lord, get rid of that mindset and give us the mindset that you're right by us. God, renew our minds to the understanding that there is no barriers, there is no blocks anymore. There only is love and rejoicing over us that you are proud of us, that you love us, that because we are beginning to act like the bride, God, I pray that you would add another, that we would become those people. So God, I pray that throughout the week as we go through, that you would just begin to pour these revelations over us and that we would become this Jesus. And that everything we do would be a praise to you. Let us become the Judah people. That our lives are a praise. Jesus, we praise you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You're the great I am. You're the Savior. You're the Creator. You are our, you are our bright shining star. We love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your, your guidance and for your leading. And Father God, we thank you for what you're speaking over us. We just love you and we praise you right now. So Lord, be blessed and bless everyone here. In the name of Jesus, amen.